Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. With you after kind of like, what was it, a mini bye week sort of thing? We had our Thursday night game. Got to enjoy the full weekend. I hope it was great for you all. You had the win. If that was what you were rooting for, then you got to come off it, enjoy your weekend, be an NFL fan for some other teams. I hope you all enjoyed that time. But the week has started. We're preparing for the Chiefs, and we're going to go through some mailbag questions, quickly recap some of the things that have happened over the past few days, and uh, yeah, just get to catch up with you guys and have some fun uh, during this next half hour. The first news that we've got to get to is that the Patriots have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Now, obviously, it's pretty much felt that way for quite a long time. The offense obviously had its best performance that we've seen probably in months, uh, but even still, the offensive inconsistency or incompetence at a lot of points made it pretty clear this Patriots team wasn't pushing for a playoff spot. But now that the Bengals beat the Colts this weekend, it's official. It's in the books. The Patriots have nothing to fight for at this point in the season outside of pride and respect. Now, that said, the defense has done its part. They've been playing up to that standard week in and week out. They are the top-ranked run defense in the NFL by a pretty significant margin. They're playing, like, statistically one of the best run defenses that we've seen over the past decade. And we actually spoke uh, to a couple Patriots, especially some bright spots along the Patriots today. Uh, Christian Barmore, for one, you can see down there, said, we ain't just here to give up games. We're here to play football. And for a guy like Barmore, who, you know, struggled with health, couldn't really get going in terms of consistency in the beginning of his career, finally getting to show what he can do now that he's healthy, looking like a dominant, true every-down player for New England. And the best part about that, really, is that, one, you hope that he is somebody that they will extend sooner rather than later. And he's been very adamant. You know, he wants to work hard. He wants to be available for his team, and health has really been a big thing for him. So nice to see he has that mentality as one of the guys you expect to be a pillar for the team. And we also heard from Mike and Winnie today, and he had a similar sentiment saying that he's going to give everything he has into these last few games. And again, Mike and Wenu, a guy that you're hoping they re-sign, he's going to be a free agent this offseason. So you're hoping that the Patriots are going to re-sign him, whether it's as a tackle, whether it's as a guard, whatever it is. He's a guy who also mentioned that he felt that he took on more of a leadership role uh, with the Patriots, you know, not having a ton of veterans left on the team this year. He got Trent, you got David Andrews, then Cole Strange is a young guy only in his second season. And then we've seen all the rookies that have been trying to get in the mix in Antonio Maffi in city. So, uh, so he mentioned that he's kind of tried to step up more into that role. And then, as I mentioned, you know, is he going to be a tackle or is he going to be a guard? Well, that question was pretty prominent heading into the game against TJ Watt, because obviously TJ Watt, extremely disruptive player, defensive player of the year candidate every year, including this season. And in when who did struggle against Khalil Mack, another defensive player of the year, hall of fame type player, and then Wendy was pretty candid, and he gave us a lot of really great insight today as to why he did struggle. Uh, one of the things he was saying was he didn't really trust his technique, uh, which is obviously huge, especially for a bigger guy at tackle, being able to know that you're doing what you got to be doing so that you're not really in your head. You can really just play fast. So we mentioned that as an area where he struggled against Khalil Mack. Uh, he also mentioned, and if you look at my Twitter, you can see some of the clips and examples of this, but he mentioned that uh, a lot of the LA defenders in the first half were kind of anticipating what he was going to do. Because we know Big Mike, he's that down blocker, road grader. He wants to get his hands on you and move you. And he was saying that they knew that 
So the Chargers defenders were actually kind of jumping out of his blocks and trying to get around him to get around uh, the physicality that Big Mike brings. So he said he caught on to that. And then you saw that it wasn't as much of a factor later in the game. There was even one rep where you could see he was anticipating one of the de defensive linemen trying to bounce around him. So that was another one. And then in pass protection, he admitted that he did struggle against Khalil Mack, saying that the biggest issue there was when he stopped moving his feet. And you could see that. There was one rep in particular where, you know, you could kind of see he stopped for one second and then Khalil Mack really got into him. He also mentioned leaning, and you could see there were a few times against Khalil Mack, and even against TJ Watt where you could see he was trying to respect their speed around the corner, and you did see him start to lunge and lose his balance and end up on the ground. But he said he took all those notes, all the things that he felt he didn't do well against the Chargers on last, last, last Sunday, and then brought all those things with him last Thursday night, and obviously had a much better game against TJ Watt. Now, it wasn't perfect. You're playing against TJ Watt. It really never is going to be. But he did say, one, he held TJ Watt without a sack, and without a quarterback hit for, I believe it was just the second or third time this entire season. So obviously impressive there, but while he did end up on the ground a few times while battling against TJ Watt, you also saw that when, and when he was able to get his hands on Watt and really be physical with him, that was where he had success. And that was something he acknowledged where he's like, yeah, I'm a bigger guy, but I'm at, I got some athleticism to me. And also I got long arms and a big grip, he said. And those were things that he highlighted as ways that he was able to have success against TJ Watt. So hats off to him. I think he really did show, you know, when contract negotiations come up, he's going to go to the table and be like, look what I did against TJ Watt. Not a lot of guys he's going to be playing that are a bigger challenge, especially for his skill set than a TJ Watt. Obviously, I do want to acknowledge that TJ suffered a concussion early on in the game for whatever reason was still allowed to play. So you can't discard that completely. But I mean, Watt was still wrecking the run game and in those situations, Mike and Wendu wasn't typically the one blocking him. So it's not like TJ Watt was a traffic cone out there. He was still impacting the game. So you do want to give Mike and Wendu his flowers talking about that. Next up, the Patriots actually suffered a loss. Honestly, it's been a tough year for this Patriots coaching staff. Obviously, Adrian Clem is not with the team for health reasons. I'm sure everybody out there is wishing him the very best. Uh, but you've seen how that affected the offensive line. They haven't really been playing up to their standard, I don't think, the past few weeks. You've seen a lot of guys getting in unblocked. I think there's been a lot of miscommunications. It feels like they took a step back. But adding to uh, kind of the headlines of what's going on with their coaching staff, Ross Douglas, their co-wide receivers coach along with Troy Brown, has accepted a job with the new coaching staff for Syracuse and will be their wide receivers coach. And as you can see here, not only was Douglas a wide receivers coach, co-wide receiver coach for the Patriots this season, he also was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for the West team and the East-West Shrine Bowl. So that showed that the Patriots are trying to get him in more leadership positions so he could gain more experience in different areas. Obviously, you know, he started off with the Patriots as a defensive quality control coach before moving over to receivers. So he's a guy who's got a lot of experience. That's going to pay off for him. Obviously, wish him all the best. Ross was a pleasure to cover, uh, was really uh, open with us, you know, as much as a Patriots coach could be. Um, and, you know, in my brief time covering this team, I really enjoyed speaking with him. So, again, wish him all the best. Uh, but for a Patriots wide receiver room that, from my perspective, technically has not been great, uh, you know, you've got guys struggling to finish. Now, you did have guys like Juju Smith-Schuster 
really stepped up against his old team. You'd like to see that version of him more consistently. I know Patriots fans thought that was the version of him that they were going to get. Uh, but at least he showed that he had the ability. Maybe he's getting healthier as the season's gone on. Uh, so Juju's been – was a bright spot last week. But then, obviously, Devontae Parker, when it comes to effort and consistency, has not been what I'm sure the Patriots were hoping for. And then, obviously, they're depleted with injury. So you don't have Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Demario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty have both missed the last two games. But then you got Tyquan. Thornton, you know, a guy we were all excited about, hoping that he was going to be able to take the next step. But his route running and making himself available to the quarterback in a timely fashion, that hasn't really been there. And it seems like the receivers coaches may be giving him a little bit of or a little too much uh, flexibility and freedom when it comes to running his routes in an offense that's really based on timing. So without a guy like Ross Douglas, who's younger, who could probably connect to these guys on a different level, you do wonder how that might affect that room for the rest of the season, especially considering Troy Brown is someone who I feel like his name has been floated as a guy who could potentially not be with the team moving on just because of how poorly the wide receiver room has been, not just this year, but also going back to last year, where personally, you know, Jacoby Myers is the guy that you look at as the pinnacle for Patriots wide receivers in recent history. I even noticed last season that at the top of his routes, he was getting a little frisky. You know, he's throwing extra uh, footsteps and, you know, foot fires. And it just looked like he was doing more than he was doing in years prior. And I was wondering why that was, considering all the timing issues. Obviously, offensive coordinator has a say in that. But the fact that you've got two different offensive coordinators and similar issues not the best sign. So yeah, Ross Douglas, no longer with the team. Congratulations to him. Gonna monitor watching how the wide receiver room finishes out the year with him no longer with the squad. Another piece of news, running, black, running back slash wide receiver slash special teamer Ty Montgomery has been waived from the team uh, after having a really rough game against the Steelers where he allowed a blocked punt. Uh, there was a pass where Zappi did throw it behind him on the sideline, but Montgomery bobbled it and it was almost intercepted. Uh, really, in Montgomery's time on the field offensively, there weren't a lot of bright spots, unfortunately. Uh, didn't run the ball. I think he only ended up with three carries this season as a Patriot. And a lot of the time he was targeted, the outcome wasn't good. I think a few of those passes ended up being turnover-worthy plays. So, I mean, another guy who was a pleasure to speak to, I remember early in the season, I thought he'd have a bigger role, and I took a minute to speak with Ty. He was always super friendly in the locker room. You know, it stinks, but that's the business. I wish him all the best. And uh, Calvin Munson, the linebacker who filled in for the Patriots a few weeks ago, when Juwan Bentley was hurt and missed a game, he has been claimed by the Dolphins for the second time, actually, not this season, but a few years ago, Calvin Munson was on the Patriots practice squad and got poached by the Dolphins. So less depth for them on the practice squad, less depth at uh, linebacker, although it should be acknowledged that Mac Wilson, somebody who got a lot of praise from Bill Belichick for his growth in the system, who has also just been on a hot streak of pass deflected in each of the past three games. He's really their number three type linebacker. Uh, so maybe they feel they've got solid depth with him. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we see somebody like a Christian Ellis, uh, who was recently claimed on waivers from the Eagles. Patriots <laughs> being at the bottom of the league pays off sometimes. They beat out six other teams for his services. And like Munson, he's more of a special teamer slash linebacker. So he's going to be on the roster. I assume that he will really take the spot of a Calvin Munson in a lot of his duties. So that's a lot of the news uh, that I had to break. This is a show that's brought to you by FanDuel and SeatGeek. Before I go on too much further, I do want to show some love to our sponsors. So quick word from FanDuel, and then I'll get into some of the mailbag questions. Be right back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action, NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. First mailbag question. How does moving on from Bill Belichick impact roster holdovers next year? Fractured locker room, need to pretty much gut the roster. Does it impact time to a rebuild? Uh, yeah, so I do think letting go of Bill Belichick, I mean, this is pretty obvious, I think. You could argue that he should be gone. Obviously, the roster construction, the offense for the past few years, and the special teams, if we're being quite honest, have not been up to snuff. Now, the defenses have been exceptional, especially this year. Being able to do what they've done with all the injuries that they've sustained is very impressive. Um, so when you talk about Bill moving on, one, I think defensively, they, they have to take a step back if you're just thinking about it. Now, you got a guy like Gerard Mayo who signed a contract to be here long term. Uh, so you're hoping that there are holdovers and you have enough guys on the defensive staff uh, who are going to stay and be able to carry over a lot of the culture and a lot of the uh, practices from the Bill Belichick era so they can continue that kind of success. In terms of the locker room, I, I think that's a good question, whether or not it's going to be fractured. Now, Bill Belichick is someone that, like a Jabril Peppers and Matthew Slater, they've gone to bat for. Jabril Peppers most notably uh, mentioned a couple weeks ago how, yeah, Belichick, you know, he comes in every week and tells us this is what you need to do to beat this team, and we haven't been doing it. And I think that's just an area of Bill Belichick's knowledge, and obviously he knows so much more than almost anybody in the league. And I don't think people appreciate enough how easy he makes people's jobs in terms of telling them their responsibilities. That's not an easy thing to do. If you hire a new head coach, that's something that may take time. It's something that you learn and experience. And, you know, it's a communicative role. So you have to learn how to be able to talk to your players and get messages through to them in the most concise and effective way. I think Belichick does a great job of that. So that's going to be an issue. I think the locker room would understand if he were to be let go. Um, you know, it's not like it's a big secret. They haven't been great this year, especially on the offense side of the ball. And when you have a head coach who's also the responsible for building the roster, I don't think any players are really going to have a leg to stand on if they're saying, well, you can't let go of Bill Belichick because, I mean, quite frankly, you can. I'm not saying it's easy necessarily. I think with the run defense playing as well as it is, considering you ask any of the Patriots players, what makes you a good run defense? It's toughness. It's teamwork. It's, you know, resiliency. All those buzzwords that basically just say we're trying, like we're busting our butts. And I think that's a pretty shining indictment of what Bill Belichick does bring and how much he still has the locker room. We also haven't heard any comments uh, from players that are anti-Belichick. No one really leaking anything where it's to tear the team apart, which is not common. We've seen it from the Jets. Uh, we've seen it from the Panthers, teams that are struggling. Things start to get out. 
And I think outside of Devon Godshaw saying, you know, yeah, it does piss me off when you know, the offense doesn't, he didn't directly say this, but essentially saying that it pisses him off when the defense plays well and the offense can't carry their end of the bargain. Or you get like an Adrian Phillips saying, I guess we got to pitch shutouts. That's as close to drama as we've gotten from the Patriots locker room. So I do think that, uh, you know, Belichick has a strong case to stay. You get one more year of like, all right, let me just transition you into this. Uh, but at the same time, I think you need a fresh start at general manager. And then when you say, does it impact time to rebuild? That's an interesting question. I think if you get somebody who, like a Bobby Slowick or a Ben Johnson, where a lot of their pieces right now, especially depth pieces, are going to be free agents, that could accelerate the process because it's going to be a much easier sell trying to get, you know, like a, um, a Nico Collins or a Noah Brown or Dalton Schultz to come to the Patriots if they get a Bobby Slowick as their head coach or maybe offensive coordinator. Similar thing with Ben Johnson. So I think that if you, if you go the route of someone else, maybe it happens a little more quickly because you have people with connections outside of this team um but yeah i i do think that you have to gut the offense either way regardless of who's in charge and if bill belichick is gone you know i, I really just think it depends on who ends up getting brought into the building great question if bill belichick moves on which would you prioritize choosing a new gm or a new coach now i think you have to choose the coach first because the coach is going to set the standard of what's expected from the team uh, now, you know, if you want to look at like a, a Sean McVay and what he does philosophically, he likes to use three wide receiver sets. He likes a lot of outside zone complemented by inside zone where they can kind of look similar and then he hits you different ways. So for that kind of scheme, you need certain kinds of players. You need an athletic offensive line. Uh, you need receivers who are more than willing to block. Um, and you need size in that role because like a Cooper Cup uh, for example, or Ben Skoranek even, those are bigger guys who can insert and take on safeties and, you know, have a, a more physical role, not just in the passing game, but also in the blocking game. So I think you want your head coach to set the idea of what you're looking for on your team. The general manager can complement that. And that's where I think you also want a general manager who philosophically is on the same page as your head coach. So they can be like, all right, you know, I kind of see this the same way. Because if you get two guys from different schools of thought, that could get real messy real quick, which is one of the things that worries me if the Patriots do move on from Bill is you have to get a new coach and GM. It's scary because unless those are guys with experience together or who have some kind of connection, they might just differ philosophically, which can be a little concerning. Um, but, you know, that said, I do think that you got to get the coach first and the general manager can be the one who picks the groceries and they can kind of work in tandem. But the, I think the coach needs to set the groundwork because they're working with the players all the time. So I think that should be the priority. All right, this is a fun one. First round, you draft Joe Alt, you sign and slide Trent Brown to right tackle, which I'm a fan of. Uh, you sign and slide Unwenu to right guard. So is off the bench, so I'm assuming that, you know, Cole Strange is going to remain the left guard. Um, you re-sign Kendrick Bourne and Farrell Brown. You might want to re-sign more than that at tight end because he would be their only one on the roster. Um, and then you draft either Polk or Franklin in the top of the second. Does that fix problems at QB with your existing guys? Um, I, uh, man, I really wish that Mac Jones didn't look as, I hate to use the term broken, but as broken as he has in the recent he was benched for Bailey, obviously. If we're talking like week two, even week three, Mac Jones, I'm saying yes. Like do this and you're on a much better trajectory because I think Mac Jones with good protection and a good supporting cast at receiver would be able to do a lot more. Uh, you know, he still has his, athle his athletic limitations, his physical limitations, all those things. 
But I did think early on in the season that he was able to overcome some things that weren't going well, like the tackle situation and the wide receivers not necessarily getting things done. But uh, with a Zappy, I don't want to take away from what he's done. Because, I mean, Zappy was not expected to play this much. I don't think it from anybody who knew what was going on in camp or saw how much he struggled. I mean, the guy got waived. So clearly the Patriots weren't like, we got to keep this guy. He's going to be our starter at some point, even if Bailey thought that. Um, but even on his good plays, you know, I feel like the accuracy is all over the place. I'll be totally honest. I think on the second touchdown to Hunter Henry, uh, you can watch the QB school JT O'Sullivan acknowledge the same thing. I'm not sure that was on purpose. It looked like perfect ball placement, but considering that, you know, that level of downfield ball placement hasn't been his strength. I'm not so sure that that was intentional. Um, and even beyond that, like, I don't want to harp on it too much, but the Juju Smith corner route, that great uh, catch where Juju came back to the ball, that was slightly underthrown. Don't want to harp too much again, because that's a downfield throw, higher degree of difficulty. But what really concerns me is the short stuff where you see Bailey Zappi's throwing behind guys and you saw that end up in an interception, but it happened a few times. Um, and, you know, throwing high, forcing receivers to make adjustments. The, his accuracy, I don't think, is conducive to an offense that moves the ball consistency, consistently and maximizes opportunities after the catch. So with the current situation the, Patri situation the Patriots have at quarterback, I would say they still need to take a guy first round, if not Michael Penix slides, and you try to get him at the beginning of the second or maybe trade back into the first round, something like that. But I do think, I mean, as much as I love this plan, I love this plan, but I do think they still need to get somebody at quarterback to really give them a direction as a franchise. All right. And do any skilled position players pop out to you that if they were utilized more or differently, that they would have an impact in the coming seasons for the Pats? I saw the Thornton seam route from Tuesday night, Thursday night football, and it made me curious. No, unfortunately not. Um, obviously, there's pop. Um, I still think he's got a long way to go, especially when it comes to his route running. And that's why I worry about Troy Brown, because I don't think from the past two seasons we've seen a lot of development from a Taekwon Thornton. Granted, he's been hurt. There's so much time that he's missed. It's not a totally fair comparison. But, I mean, Kayshawn Booty has gotten open at times, but he's also not seen the ball a lot. So it's hard to say, yes, he's flashed. He needs to have a bigger role. Because you don't know unless the guy is getting opportunities to catch it and make something happen with those. Uh, so outside of Demario Douglas, where obviously you see the explosiveness, you see there's some downfield ability there, the hands. There's a lot to like with DeMario, but if his route running doesn't improve significantly, I think at some point next season, then that's where they could have a bit of a problem. And he may be, you know, restricted or restricted to just being more of a gadgety guy. Although, again, he has some prowess downfield. He's so good at leaning into defenders or using his head to make you think he's going one way and then getting open by sharply redirecting somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, in terms of skill position players that pop out, it's really just pop. Um, you know, Farrell Brown's had his little bright spots, but his blocking's been inconsistent, and that's his whole bread and butter. Um, Mike Kosicki, I've said I thought could be better utilized with a quarterback who's more aggressive and would put him on it in situations where he's tightly covered but can make an adjustment. Um, so, like, if he was re-signed, I, I, I wouldn't mind. I'd like to see what he could do um, with a more aggressive and competent quarterback throwing him the ball. But really, again, other than Pop Douglas, there's no one that stands out where it's like, Get this guy more touches. Like, what are you doing wasting this guy's potential? I just don't really think they have that kind of guy uh, on the roster. What about now? All right. How much has Cole Strange improved since the beginning of the season? 
Um, so obviously the beginning of the season was pretty rough for Cole Strange. He missed the entire or almost the entirety of training camp. I think he was only there for four or five days because he suffered a knee injury, missed the entire preseason, didn't play the first game. And I've spoken to him a few times and he has emphasized like the guy does not like making excuses. If I ask him about a play where he did something poorly, you can see the frustration in his face. Like he wants to be better. He's constantly trying to improve and do the things he needs to do to be a better professional. Um, but early on, you were seeing that there were issues all over the board. A lot of it was mental. Obviously, that first game against the Dolphins, you really saw it where there were blitzes and different stunts that he didn't pick up. And he mentioned that where sometimes there were things he hadn't seen on film that he couldn't react to quickly enough. And also physically, I thought there were times where, you know, he would kind of get too aggressive. And he's aware of this. He knows that he's a smaller guy and he knows that defenders know that he's got to be aggressive and they use that against him. Now, I think he's been more consistent. That said, I think the other issues still pop up on a weekly basis. Like he had a rep where Cam Hayward, who is fantastic. And this was just one rep. For the most part, he was fine in protection. Uh, but there was a play where Hayward kind of uh, pulled him and got him down to the ground. Uh, there was one where a, a blitzer came. I don't think he identified him until too late. Zappi got the ball out. But if he had held on to it for like another tick of a second, I think that would have been a sack allowed on Cole Strange. Uh, but he is tough. You know, he had a couple pancakes in the game. Um, but I, I still do think it's concerning that the mental issues still pop up on a pretty regular basis. And sometimes it's just, you know, he always emphasizes you need chemistry with the guys that you're blocking with. But there's also times where it's like, it doesn't really have to do with chemistry. It's just understanding what you're seeing and knowing what could potentially happen and being in position to be able to pick up certain line games and things like that. Um, so yeah, I would like to see him get better in that regard. I think he's been super up and down this season. A lot of bright spots. Like, I'd love to see what he can do with a full offseason program. Because, uh, again, one of the things he mentioned to me was how he put on more weight this offseason, and that makes it easier to take on power. But there's also no way to simulate that. You know, he was like, I can't, I can't simulate somebody bull rushing me unless it's actually happening. Can't really do that with no pads or in the summer or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, he's put in the work. I'd like to see what he can do with more time to really hone his technique and uh, maximize the potential that he does have. But I think while he's gotten better, there are still some pretty uh, significant concerns. This will be the last one from the actual mailbag on Twitter. After this, I'll start taking some of your questions live. All right, so what do you think Patriots will draft in the first round? Uh, I hope that they get two people in the first round. That's my kind of sleeper dream scenario. If they get a top two, top three pick, I think that you have so much room to move around the board from there and still be in range to select a quarterback that you really like, especially considering you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got Joel, you got Olu Fashanu, you got a lot of players who are probably going to go before uh, some of the like, second-tier-ish type of passers, like a Jaden Daniels, like a Michael Penix. If Bo Nix is your cup of tea, then somebody like him. But it feels like it's really Caleb Williams, Drake May right now. Jaden Daniels could slide into that mix, but it's really a two-horse race, I feel like, for that number or for the upper echelon of quarterbacks as it's seen in terms of the consensus right now. Uh, so I'm hoping that they can maybe trade back, get a Jaden Daniels, who I think his running ability, I mean, he's got concerns as a passer. I think his short passing is inconsistent. There are times where I feel like he holds on to the ball a little too long, but also like I just watched his game against Alabama. There are two plays where he scrambled. You could be like, yeah, you should have thrown that one where I thought he, if he had thrown on time, he could have hit an inbreaker early. There was also a screen where he could have just popped it over to his guy, although there was some disruption from the defensive line. And instead he ran and I thought he gave up a big play. But for the most part, I feel like he's got a really good sense of where rush lanes are and where he can get out of trouble. Um, he's so difficult to sack, and you saw that constantly in that game. 
Uh, so Jane Daniels is my guy that I really hope they can get outside or just at the end of the top five. And then if they can get somebody else, I'd like to see them get a tackle. Cause I feel like wide receiver, you can get in the third round, you can get in the fourth round. Like you can find a talented guy who can make an impact on your team sometime on day two, maybe even early day three, if you really do your research and find a good value. But tackles are just two rare body types. Like it's not just a guy who's big, fast, strong. You're talking about a guy who's 300 plus pounds and can square off against guys who are more athletic than him and have the advantage of being able to attack. So I'd like to see them trade back into the end of the first round to get a tackle and shore up that spot, bring stability, hopefully even having when you go back to guard his more natural fit. Although if he's playing tackle next season and they don't have Trent Brown and it's a rookie or something like that, I'm not complaining. He's still a fantastic football player. I just don't think he's where he's best utilized, even though he had a pretty solid game last week. All right, so that's it for the mailbag questions. Like I said, Jaden Daniels in a tackle. That's my dream scenario for the first round. Uh, now I'm going to take some of your questions live. really appreciate you all watching, being patient with that. Uh, right before I do, though, going to send it over to our friends at SeatGeek. We'll be back. You know, I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets. And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. So at this point, I'm going to try to get to the earlier parts of the comments section to make sure I hit everybody who has questions earlier. Uh, but if you did have a question early and you still want it to get answered, make sure you comment now. Uh, just kind of make it easier on me. I'm going to try to get to at least like three or four of your guys' questions because I appreciate you hanging in with me. Uh, first, what's up, Ken? How you doing, brother? Uh, Ken has a fantastic Patriot show. Everybody check him out. Uh, he really does a great job. I was lucky enough to be a guest on the show earlier this season or in the off season. Does great stuff. Thank you for tuning in, buddy. Uh, what's up, bro? Uh, what wide receiver would you take for the Pats after Marvin gets off the board? Now, this is one that's tough for me. I haven't, uh, I barely even gotten into the quarterbacks. I really haven't gotten into the receivers. Um, and even when I'm watching games, I'm more focused on the quarterbacks. And I got such bad ADHD, man. Watching games live for me is kind of tough when I don't know who the players are. Uh, but Roma Dunze, man, like I love his game. 
One, I remember seeing him on the podium after Washington won uh, against Oregon. I love how he carries himself. He, anything I've heard is he's a true leader, really good guy. Obviously, that's awesome, especially for a guy where I feel like where he's going to get drafted. He's in the caliber of like one of your franchise-type guys who not only do you build around, but who really could be a leader on your team. And then also, he's a freak. Like the dude is, I know Alex and I have talked about him and he's kind of like a DeAndre Hopkins type where you can put him in X and in all those ISO situations and he can win there vertically. He can win underneath with exceptional route running and then speed after the catch. But he can also win inside where what you saw a lot of the time with DeAndre Hopkins when he was under Bill O'Brien was he'd get those, you know, they'd go three by one, you get your isolated matchup and you trust your best guy to win one-on-one. -on -one. But he'd also move him inside, give him some opportunities against linebackers, against slot defenders and create better matchups where he could use his size and athleticism against guys who couldn't match up. So if we're talking guys uh, that they could bring in, I really, really love Roma Dunze. Um, and I'm sure that my perspective will change as I study more guys and have a better understanding of what's going on uh, and other people throughout the class. Uh, but yeah, he's someone who's really, really stood out for me. Um, I'm excited about what he could potentially bring. All right, what else we got here? I'll go to the top of the chat. Ooh, I like this one. All right. What are the top three needs for the Patriots? All right. So, obviously, quarterback. That's got to be number one. It's a position I'd like to see them. Honestly, all these top picks, I'd like to see them address both through free agency so they can get a veteran who they can trust and is reliable and has a proven track record, as well as uh, touching on them in the draft. Quarterback. Sign Jacoby Brissett. Like, obviously, you draft him. It's a homecoming. Maybe he finishes his career here. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, and if your young quarterback can't play, Jacoby's shown that he can take advantage of an offense that has good weaponry. So I'd like to see them address quarterbacks as the number one need, both in free agency and early on in the draft. After that, has got to be wide receiver. Obviously, I'd like to see them take a veteran, like I said, someone who has proven uh, what they can do at the NFL level. So uh, T. Higgins at the top of everybody's list. Next will probably be a Michael Pittman Jr., who's kind of like Mike Evans Jr., and that he's a big guy who can also run good routes. He isn't super fast, but he can get behind you. I mean, he runs good routes, and he's a tough physical guy who I think could be kind of a leader in that wide receiver room and obviously has a proven track record, despite not having great quarterback play in his career. Uh, so, you know, those two guys, Mike Evans, I know he's up there in age, but the guy's had a 1,000-yard season every year of his career. I'm not saying no to that. Throw a bag at him for a couple of years. Get some uh, validity in that wide receiver room someone who's won a Super Bowl, someone who's been with Tom Brady and can understand that culture of winning and what he was all about. I think that'd be a great fit. And then obviously get yourself another weapon in the draft. And then it's tackle. I mean, it's it's all the offensive positions. As much as I want to say edge rusher, I think they need another one of those young guys. I think they need some help at cornerback as well, just because there's so many guys there with injury histories. I think you want somebody who you can definitely count on. Uh, but yeah, it's got to be offensive tackle. Both your tackles right now are going to be free agents. Uh, Trent Brown may not want to come back. I don't know how he feels necessarily, uh, but it sounded like he was kind of frustrated, not internally necessarily, but, you know, it's been a tough couple years for the guy. Um, and then Mike and Wenu, whether he plays tackle or guard, you know, even if you re-sign both of those guys, Trent Brown's getting up there in age, so you need a replacement plan for him regardless. And I'd like to see them get two tackles who aren't, you know, Mike and Wenu, so once again, he can move back to his more natural fit at guard. Um, but you got to get tackle. I think Jonah Williams is out there, is going to be out there for agency. Tyron Smith, although I'm not sure the Cowboys are going to let him go. Even if he wanted to go, I don't know that he even would. But, uh, yeah, quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, it's really all the obvious ones. 
How likely is it a guy? Is it that a guy like Pittman, Higgins, or Evans hits free agency? Feels like we'd have to trade something. Um, hmm. Uh, I think so. I I would say that I think there's a fair chance we see T. Higgins and Michael Pittman Jr. be franchise tagged because they're just such important players to their offenses, and obviously are gonna be very popular in a relatively shallow uh, wide receiver market. Mike Evans, I know he wants to stay in Tampa. Um, so I think that if they gave him anything close to what another team offered him, he would stay there. Um, so I would say the likelihood, especially for a Pittman or Higgins, guys who are younger, and this is with no inside information. I'm literally just going off the dome. I'm going to say like 55% you can get them. Just because it's the NFL, it's a business. You know, If those guys don't want to get franchise tagged, it's just going to create a weird situation that the franchise does. Although – you know, it's football. Sometimes they don't care. They're just trying to do what's best for their business and get leverage. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to sell, you know, this definite like they're going to be able to get one of these big name wide receivers. I think that these teams, especially given how hard it is to find these guys, um, not necessarily too hard. You know, like I said, you can find guys in the middle rounds, but those are guys with proven track records who you've already invested a lot in. So I wouldn't be surprised if their teams try to hold on to them. All right. I'll answer a couple more. Let's see what else we got here. Okay. I think of Brian Burns or Josh Allen. Uh, I'm assuming you mean the pass rusher. Uh, I'd love either one of those guys, honestly. I like I kind of touched on just a couple minutes ago. I do think they need an edge rusher. Uh, you know, Josh Uche has really been slowed down since he had his foot injury, and he hasn't really looked the same since. I know his efficiency numbers are up there, but just looking at the tape, he doesn't look like the same guy. Matt Judon coming off the bicep, although I'm sure he'll still be good, but is getting up there in age and is reaching probably the end of his career. And then a Keon White, you don't know for sure what you're going to get out of him. You also don't know for sure he's going to be that outside linebacker edge rusher type consistently because they use him inside as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, they got a lot of money to spend in pass rusher, especially on the edge where they can't really double you unless they commit a skill player. I think it makes a lot of sense and I wouldn't be surprised to necessarily see them, you know, pay a good amount for one of those guys, especially considering they got pretty well-rounded games. Um, that said, neither one of them is really a Judon type. Uh, I'm not sure if they're the type of every down presence, this version of the Patriot scheme likes, where you got to be able to play first and second down, be sturdy against the run. That's one of Judon's more underrated qualities. Um, whereas, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Brian Burns and Josh Allen in terms of their early down production. I just know they're ferocious pass rushers. Um, so I need to watch closer to see if they're a great scheme fit on an every down basis. But in terms of getting good pass rushers in the building, guys who clearly have a good track record and a lot of success in the league, I'm not against it. I think that you could definitely use it, especially considering how the pass rush has really fallen off without a Matthew Judon. All right, I'll try to take one more before I head out of here. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Oh, that's an interesting one. Okay. Why are Drake, May, and Caleb Williams considered so much better than Penix or Daniels? Now, one, I know that Caleb Williams and Drake May are both younger. Um, obviously, Caleb Williams had so much hype coming into this season. I think that's part of it. Didn't live up to that hype, but I'm sure if you watch closer, I'm sure a lot of that is still there. And it was more that, you know, he had impossible standards to live up to. Um, then Drake May, you know, much younger, not just as a person, but in his career. Um, so I think it's seen that there's more upside and you just will have him longer. Michael Penix, the biggest thing is one, he doesn't have great athleticism. And a big reason for that is because he's had so many lower body injuries that really do concern you in terms of his long-term availability and what he'll be able to do. Cause you're just thinking, okay, one significant injury and we could see a big step back for him. 
So that's the thing with Penix is age and injury concern. And then Jaden Daniels is a fifth-year senior. Uh, he's somebody who, because of his athleticism, he's a really tough guy, which you respect, but he's also got that kind of Josh Allen thing where he doesn't always know when to protect his body. And a good mobile quarterback, you know, I think a lot of the times they're safer out of the pocket than they are inside the pocket. Inside the pocket is where you've seen Daniels take some of his biggest hits because you can't move. You can't go anywhere. Whereas when you're out in space, you can slide, you can get out of bounds. It's much harder for a defense to get a good lick on you cleanly. Now, that's only if you slide and you take care of yourself. Jaden Daniels, certain situations, like if it's short yardage, third down, goal line, whatever, I understand you, you know, just doing what you got to do. But too many times you see him take hits for what, like two or three yards that aren't necessary. So that paired with the fact that he's a slider guy in terms of his frame, and there's the concern that all it's going to take is one big hit from an NFL defender to potentially sideline him or get him really hurt on top of the age. Those are things that really concern people. And in addition with a Jaden Daniels, there are issues that you see on tape with him. Like I said, the quick game stuff or the short passing isn't really super consistent. And with a fifth-year senior, you'd like to see a clean game from them or a clean process. And you want to see, like, yes, I could plug this guy in on an NFL field, and it's not going to take long. Relatively, it's not going to take too long for him to kind of get up there mentally. I think he might take a little bit of time, and that worries people. But in my opinion, with his athleticism, I think that's going to make up for a lot of the mistakes that he does make early on in his career. But uh, yeah, you all been awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, make sure you follow me on Twitter at tkyles39 where you can find all my thoughts, um, anything I'm trying to plug. And obviously, make sure to keep it locked on clnsmedia.com for all my written work. I'm going to have some stuff coming up for the Chiefs preview. Uh, going to try to maybe have something for like a Mike and one new Christian Barmore. Try to highlight what they've been doing so well and give those guys some love. Uh, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We will see you next time.